Hello and welcome back, Christian friends. Uh, it's been a few weeks since I uh, recorded my last episode. Um, it's been busy with the holidays and everything, but I've also... <clears throat> not only was I sick in the original episode, but uh, can't haven't been able to uh, to shake this cold or virus or whatever I may have. But uh, we're plugging through, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna get through the sickness and um, get back on making some some new content. So uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, welcome. Um, today we're gonna be starting a new series um in the direction that i believe uh the lord has has led me and and spoken to me and is hopefully i believe speaking speaking through me um and what i've roughly titled this section is what it means to be a christian i think this is a particularly important topic to talk about because i've noticed uh, since I've become a Christian, that there are a lot of churches, preachers, influencers, and, and celebrities who um, have a lot of influence uh, on not only the world, on, on people who, who aren't Christians, but, but Christians as well. Um, and as this podcast is named, uh, Sheep Among Wolves, um, I think it's important that we protect those sheep out there, um, including myself, as we are all sheep of one flock and we're all following the Good Shepherd, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But yes, there is a lot of uh, twisting of words, a lot of, um, I'd like to say, misinformation. Um, there's a lot of uh, softening of, of the gospel out there. Um, and I, I feel called to talk about it and to share it with you. And uh, I hope that it can speak to you and it can help you speak to your friends who, whether they're Christian or whether they don't believe, um, I just hope that this helps someone somewhere either strengthen their faith or um, helps them find it in the first place. This is going to be sort of a mix of, um, I guess you could say, a sermon and also uh, just kind of talking points. Um, I want to make this formal and informal. Um, I have to be prepared, but I also uh, like to have the flexibility to, to speak where the Lord leads me. I initially set out for this to be... Uh, all completed in, in one uh, podcast, but as I really started to flesh out some of these ideas and um, do some of my research and, and all that, um, I think we're going to need a couple episodes to fully cover this, and it's going to lead into the next segment um, that I have in mind. So this could be considered part one of three, or could very well be part one of five. We will see how long it takes me to happily put a bow on this topic. So without further ado, um, we're going to get into uh, some of the, the notes that I've made here and um, continue onward. So, the title, What Does It Mean to Be a Christian? 
Uh, in the United States, we have a lot of people who identify as Christian. I'm sure it's like that in many countries throughout the world, but I can only speak to the United States. Um, by identify, I mean if someone asked them, or if they were filling out a form, um, after a moment of maybe confusion or hesitation, they might check Christian in the religion section. I know I always checked Christian in the religion section when I was growing up, um, and even after I was, when I was an adult and I wasn't going to church at all, I was still checking Christian, because that's essentially how I was raised. I was raised Catholic, which technically falls under the umbrella, um, according to the world's definition of the quote-unquote religion of Christianity. However, calling yourself a Christian and being a Christian are two very different things. Actually, if, if I were to be really particular, I would say being a Christian and having a real relationship with God through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ are two different things. One could argue that calling yourself a Christian is more or less aligning yourself with a religious group of men rather than aligning yourself with Christ. But for the sake of simplicity and for the sake of saving words, uh, we'll use the term Christian. Calling yourself a Christian doesn't make it so. As it says in Matthew 7:21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Who's the Father? God, of course. <laughs> uh, what is his will and how can we know it? Uh, God reveals his will and his character to us through his word. Through the Bible, God reveals to us what his will is, and we can really only get an understanding of that by reading the Bible and by staying connected to God through prayer. And this will help you know his will and actively do his will in your daily life. For it's written, uh, Does the Lord have much delight in the burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than a sacrifice, and to pay attention is better than the fat of rams. That's uh, 1 Samuel 15, 22. And uh, I have another verse that kind of coincides with this one. It's uh, Hosea 6.6. 6, and it says, uh, For I delight in loyalty rather than sacrifice, and in the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. So this is just uh, one piece of many pieces of, of God's character that, that you'll come to understand. Um, maybe some of you already have come to understand, having read the Bible, se Bible uh, several times. Um, however, some of you maybe haven't read it through once, and I would encourage you to, uh, to read that. Uh, maybe get on like a one-year plan. Um, I have a reading plan I do. Uh, aside from this podcast, I've been uh, recording myself um, reading the, this plan that I found online that I found particularly interesting. Um, 
so if you want you can you can follow along with that as well um it's called through the bible general harrison's way it's inspired by this uh world war ii general who um despite having a very busy life and being in combat he never um he never set aside his devotional since he was 21 years old uh, in West Point, and through ba- battle, through political um, commitments, he he read uh, through the Old Testament once a year and the New Testament about four times a year. So if you want, you can follow along either listening to it through there, or you could read along while you listen to it. Um, I personally do think uh, you get a little bit of added benefit um, by reading, um, but you also get a sort of different perspective um, by listening as well. So, so both could could even be a, a good uh, option if, if you haven't um, if you haven't spent much time in God's Word. I would encourage you to do that. After all, how can you do God's will if you don't know it? And how can you know God's will? without reading his word. So to follow God's will requires obedience to his word and to his command. Um, Going to church every Sunday does not ensure your salvation. Uh, Tithing and donating to Christian charities or other good charities um, doesn't guarantee your salvation. Being a overall quote-unquote good person uh, that doesn't ensure your salvation. Um, <clears throat> whether you, you know, you take shopping carts from from old ladies and put them away for them, or uh, you always let the other guy go first at the stop sign. You're always opening doors for people. You're always helping everyone whenever they need help. Um, none of that is gonna ensure your salvation. They're good things to do. Um, but they have nothing to do with your salvation. And uh, there's one. One verse that always uh, rings in my ear um, when I think of, of this topic of, of salvation and um, us not being able to achieve it through our own efforts, and uh, that's uh, Psalm uh, 14.3, which says, uh, All have turned away, all have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Um and that's, you know, referring to us, referring to the human race. You know, no matter how much good we do, um, in our hearts there resides that, that evil of, of sin that we inherited. Um, and we continue to to practice um, and pass down to, to our children uh, generation after generation until Christ Jesus comes and establishes his kingdom forever and ever. Another common way people try to, I guess you could say, curry favor um, with God is through self-sacrifice. Um, whether you're sacrificing yourself physically or you're just abstaining from something, um, there, there's nothing in our own hands that we can do to, um, to ensure our salvation. Um, some people give up things for Lent. Um, all good but doesn't do anything about your salvation. Um, Giving up something for life, or really just making promises or trying to make deals with God. Um, You can't make a deal with God. 
because he already made and presented you the only deal that he has through his son. So what is it? What is it that ensures our salvation? Because that's, after all, what we are as Christians. We're saved. We're saved children of God. And if we are to be called Christians, then we should be sure about our salvation. So the only thing that ensures your salvation is accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. However, this phrase, I think, is either misunderstood or misused quite frequently um, in our society, in the church. Um, I think in the church, we, we often say it in sort of mindless repetition. We don't really meditate on it or think or grasp the full uh, gravity or weight of what those words mean. Um, other times, uh, people are misled, um, through false doctrine, uh, such as, uh, like friendship evangelism and, uh, people not really grasping the whole, um, repentance step of salvation. Um, and, you know, some people sort of take it for granted, especially people who were raised in the church, um and were never really properly presented the gospel. Um, they sort of look at Jesus, because I, I know I looked at him this way, um, being raised in the Catholic Church, uh, they look at Jesus as their get-out-of-jail-free card. Um, they think that basically because Jesus died for their sins, that they are free to sin um, as much as they want, and they will never have to pay for it because... Jesus died for them. However, the piece that I believe uh, many Christians are missing, um, or I guess you could say many uh, people who call themselves Christians or associate themselves with being Christian or identify with being Christian, the part that they're missing is the Lord part. He's not just our Savior. First, he must be accepted as your Lord in order for you to receive the gift of salvation. Um, and what does a Lord do? A Lord has authority over his servants, and a servant obeys the command of his Lord. If we're truly to be Christians and receivers of the gift of salvation, uh, we must be obedient servants to our Lord. To accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, you must turn toward him. And if you're turning toward Jesus, you must also be turning from sin. That's not to say that the only real Christian is the one who does not sin at all after having accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior, uh, because none of us are perfect. However, if you have truly turned to Christ you must have turned from the sin in your life. That's to say that you must repent before you can accept any promise of God. When you genuinely repent of the sin in your life before Christ and make the decision to follow him as your Lord and accept him as your Savior, then and only then will the Holy Spirit change the desires of your heart. 
And what do I mean by he will change the desires of your heart? Well, he will change your heart so that you no longer desire to sin. Now, don't get me wrong. You are still going to be tempted to sin. But you'll be given a new nature. Your old nature will still be there, tempting you to sin. But your new nature, which was given to you by the Holy Spirit will be there to help you fight that temptation. Now, the key here is which nature are you feeding? Because if you're feeding your old nature with old information through your eyes, your ears, the music you listen to, the TV shows you watch, uh, the books you read, if they're not the Bible, um, and everything else, you're, you're feeding your old nature, if, if you're watching things that are unholy, if you're listening to music that doesn't glorify God, um, you're going to be feeding that old nature. And that old nature is going to get strong. Now, if you're feeding your new nature, uh, that new nature is going to be the one that dominates your psyche, that dominates your heart, that, um, that guides you through life. Now, the scripture advises you, and this is Ephesians 6.11, to put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Again, that's Ephesians 6.11. Um, and if you, if you read a little further on in Ephesians 6, uh, you'll see that your shield is your faith. And your sword is the word of God in that full armor of God. Um, so the shield can help you sort of deflect the attacks uh, or the temptation, if you will. And uh, the word of God um, is what helps you put that, put that sin to death. So in order to keep your faith strong, one, you need to pray. And two, you need to read your Bible. And not just you, I need to read my Bible more. I need to pray more. We, None of us are perfect. None of us are Jesus. And until we are, we can always do more to strengthen our faith. And when we strengthen our faith, we're better able to fend off attacks um, from the evil one. And we're better able to fight temptation. And when we read our Bible, and the more knowledge, the more we have in our memory of God's character his, through his word, of God's commands through his word, and what God expects of us through his word, the better we can put sin to death in our lives. As a Christian, there will be times when your faith is strong, and you will not even blink at this temptation that you face. There could also be times where your faith is weak and you give in to temptation. The Christian and the non-Christian both sin. The difference is that the Christian doesn't live there. The Christian doesn't sin, then get up and say, gee, that was neat. I can't wait to go do it again. If you're a Christian and you're genuinely changed in your heart, by the Holy Spirit, sinning 
will disgust you. When your old nature wins, it will quiet down, because it's been loud that whole time, screaming in your ear, telling you to do this or to do that, or to feel this or to feel that, or to think this or to think that. But when it wins, it will quiet down, and your new nature will regain its strength and convict your conscience. Now, modern psychology likes to tell us that we should do everything we can to prevent ourselves from feeling bad. That we shouldn't feel bad, and guilt is something that we should rid ourselves of. However, this guilt that comes from sin, if you're a child of God, is probably one of the greatest blessings we have. This is what leads us to repentance. A Christian heart is a repentant heart, because we aren't perfect and we do sin, and if we're acknowledging our sin, we're going to have to repent on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, on a minute-by-minute basis. And when I say sin, I'm not just saying the taboo, the controversial, the scandalous sin that we could all, I'm sure, rattle off. Um, but there's the more uh, silent sins. The the want, There's your thought life. What are your thoughts like? Have you gotten angry with someone? That doesn't mean you yelled at them. You could have just gotten angry in your mind or gotten angry in your heart with them. And that's a sin. Though we should strive to be perfect like our Lord Jesus, we will not accomplish that until we finish our race and are made perfect to enter into heaven. Big or small, taboo or common, scandalous or simple, you will and do sin every day of your life. If not by action, then by thought. For Jesus said, You have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not commit murder, and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. That's Matthew 5, 21 through 22. So we can have this great, this outstanding outward self-control that allows us to be perceived as some great, upstanding person who's patient, kind, understanding, loving, and all those great qualities that, that we look for in a person that, that we say, okay, this is this is a good person. This person is top of the line. Nothing wrong with this person. That's who I strive to be. He is an inspiration to me. We can be someone who outwardly appears that way. But if the inside is boiling with anger and wicked thoughts, then we will be judged just the same as the person with no self-control who acts on their wicked thoughts. So repentance is not a one-time deal. We don't repent, accept Jesus, and then lead perfect, sinless lives. It just, unfortunately, doesn't work like that. Uh, it's not a magic wand that makes us perfect. We won't be perfect until we are in heaven. We also don't repent, accept Jesus as our Savior, and continue living our lives in sin, saying, well, everybody sins, 
I'm safe because Jesus died for my sins because I accepted him. You can accept him too as your savior and continue having all the fun you want. If we do this, we are rejecting him as our Lord and he cannot be your savior. So you can't have him as your savior if he's not your Lord. As Christians, we accept Jesus as our Lord and savior. We repent of our sinful lives that we led before we met Christ. We follow his perfect example and command. Not that we can do it perfectly, because we know we aren't perfect, but we acknowledge our failures when we sin. When we sin, we confess our sins to our Lord. We repent and we pray for forgiveness. While there is no frequency requirement in the Bible, me personally, I try to repent as often as I sin, as quickly as I recognize that I sinned, because we don't always recognize our sin. Sometimes we need a mirror held up to our face and some long reflection in order for us to come to the conclusion that something that we've been doing isn't exactly right, and it isn't exactly honoring God. For example, I like to dedicate a moment of prayer when I lay down to go to bed to review my day, not only so I can reflect on what I did right and what I did wrong, but so I can search my day, search my heart, search my mind and soul, and see if there are any sins that maybe aren't at the front of my head. After I do this careful review, um, I confess my sins to the Lord, and I ask for his forgiveness. Then in the morning, when I wake up, I ask for him to guide me through my day and to keep me from sinning. I encourage you to include this in your own daily routine, as it, it's helped me kind of keep a, a focus or, or a center in my life that I can return to every morning and every day um, and know who I'm living for and, and what the reason I am here on earth for. Now, if, if you do decide to incorporate this into your uh, daily routine and you can't think of any sins in particular, um, I would advise you ask God to search your heart and reveal to you any sins that you don't see, as David did in Psalms 139, 23-24, where he says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me, and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. To sum this up, one characteristic that distinguishes the true Christian from the world or from someone who identifies as Christian or calls themselves a Christian is that the Christian is fighting sin. Christian friends, if you are listening to this and are thinking or saying to yourself, Amen, Lord knows we need his help. May God bless you and help you in your battles. However, if you are a Christian and you can't think of a battle you are fighting against sin in your life, 
then you must be permitting it in your life. And if that's you, I want to take a second to pray for you. Lord, Heavenly Father, Creator of heaven and earth, I don't know who is listening to this and who needs to hear it, but I do know you do. I trust that you have not only given me the words to speak, but you have delivered those words to those who need to hear it. You know our hearts, and you know our thoughts better than we know them ourselves. If there is anyone out there fighting a battle against sin in their lives, I ask that you strengthen them and give them the courage, spiritual weapons, and fortitude to resist the devil that he may flee. However, most importantly, Lord, if there is anyone listening who is unaware of the sin they are permitting in their lives, I ask that you search their heart and reveal it to them. Convict their conscience and open their eyes, that they might see the sin they did not before. Begin fighting their battle and grow closer to you. Provide them the strength, the knowledge, the courage, and the wisdom to identify their sin and fight against temptation. Lord, I thank you for your patience and persistence with your people. When I read your word and learn about the history of your people, I am amazed at your faithfulness. We are not deserving of the life that you have given us, yet you died to give us eternal life. Forgive us, Lord, for our disobedience, and help us to strengthen our faith and become more obedient servants to your will with each passing day. In the holy name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray, Amen. So, accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior is all that is required for salvation. However, it is important that we fully understand what it means to accept Him as our Lord so that we may receive salvation. To turn to Christ means to turn from sin. Genuine acceptance of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior will result in real-life changes. There will be sin from your life before that you will need to root out. You will not live your life the same way as you did before Christ. Though we will continue to fight against sin and our old nature all our lives, we are not perfect and we require daily repentance. Therefore, the decision to follow Christ is not a one-time decision. Every morning, when we wake up, we have to make that decision to follow Christ. There may be days, Christian friend, when you wake up and you forget to make that decision. Live for yourself and not for Christ. There may be days when you lose your footing and you slip. But God's grace is limitless, and His mercy never ends. 
Every morning is a new opportunity to live your life for Christ. But don't just take my word for it. God has revealed this to us through his word. In Lamentations 3, 22 through 24, God reveals to us a small part of his grand character through his word. The Lord's acts of mercy indeed do not end, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. That is all we have for this part of the series. Uh, thank you for listening. I hope you found it fruitful. If you did, please share it with a friend or someone you know who needs to hear it. Again, if you are new in the faith and you would like to follow along with the reading program, feel free to check out my other series called Through the Bible, General Harrison's Way, um, which is based on a reading devotional program that General Harrison followed throughout World War II and throughout the rest of his life. Um, this program will take you through the Old Testament once in a year, the Gospels four times, and Proverbs four times, as well as the New Testament and Psalms twice, all in one year. So I think it's a very great foundation uh, to start for anyone new in faith or anyone who's read through the Bible once um, and just wants to go through it in a different manner perhaps is a little more helpful or has a little bit more meaning to them, I, I think it's a, a great way to, to read through the Bible. So if that's something you're interested in, uh, check it out through the Bible, General Harrison's way. And until next time, may God richly bless you, my dearly beloved.